الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يتق الله يجعل له مخرجا ويرزقه من حيث لا يحتسب وقال تعالى في مقام آخر ومن يتق الله يجعل له من أمره يسرا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الرجل ليحرم الرزق بالذنب يصيبه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسفكت علماء الكرام بدزن الدس These little discussions that take place from time to time the object and the purpose is a reminder it's a reminder in the light of the ayat of the quran sharif that allah taala says wa zakkir fa inna dhikra tanfa'ul mu'minin remind verily a reminder is beneficial for the believers so i need the reminder allah taala make it beneficial for me for all of us this is the only object that we remind ourselves of those lessons that are in the Quran and hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the purpose of reminding ourselves is that this inshallah becomes a means of us bringing these lessons in our lives the purpose must be amal purpose must be to practice upon what is learned and also to pass it on to others the Quran Sharif from beginning to end is a book of hidayat and everything in the quran sharif has been given to us for our guidance so that we may move towards the everlasting abode of jannat and even our dunya becomes a place of peace serenity happiness and likewise in the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the same applies that it's all for our guidance and many many hadith are mentioned by rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam which relate the incidents of the people of the past referring to the bani israil various incidents of the bani israil and this was meant to be a lesson for us that there were those incidents of the bani israil where somebody did something and what was the end result negative end result the lesson for us is to avoid those things and there were those incidents which brought about the lesson of what should be done to get a positive outcome among those incidents on one occasion rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam just the sahaba and he asked them that can you not be like the person sahibu faraqil uruz now the sahaba didn't know what is being referred to that can you not be like the person who had invested that one for our purposes farq is a measure we'll just say one bag who invested the one bag of rice now this was something unknown to the sahaba so they inquired who is this person what is his incident what happened so as a result rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then mentioned this entire incident about the three people who got trapped in a cave so this happened in the time of the bani israil and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam related it this was also wahi from allah taala one is the wahi that is in the quran sharif which is recited in salah 
and the wahi that is not recited in salat, that too is wahi, which is in the form of the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu That too Allah ta'ala inspired on the heart of Nabi sallallahu sallam, opened out to him. So among the lessons is this lesson about the people of who got trapped in this cave. So again, this is not just an incident for the sake of some history lesson or just for interest. But there are many lessons that we have to take from this, to apply in our lives. So Rasulullah explained this incident that there were three people were traveling in the Bani Israel. And as they were going along, according to some narrations, nightfall came. According to some narrations, it was raining, maybe it was both. So they took shelter in a cave. Now when they took shelter in this cave, they got to wait for the storm to blow over or for the day, day to come. While they were inside, فَنْحَدَرَتْ سَخْرَةٌ مِّنَ الْجَبَلْ فَسَدَّتِ الْغَارِ This huge rock suddenly fell from the mountain. As it fell and came, crashing down, it came and blocked off the entrance of this cave. It fell and settled right at the entrance of this cave. So now this was like spelling death to them because this huge rock and the mouth of this cave is now all blocked. You can't come out. Who's going to be able to push this rock? Three people inside this huge rock. So it was a very bleak situation. And in this bleak situation, apparently, because there was no, obviously, no way of communication, it wasn't the age that we're living in, say, okay, try and send somebody a WhatsApp. Perhaps if there was WhatsApp then, in a place like that, there might not have been reception. So, there was no way of communicating that what is going on, where we are. And in those days, somebody left on a journey, they would, just wait now, they would call the caravans, kafila. Afil actually means somebody returning. The caravan that's going out on a journey used to be called Kafila, as a good omen that this will return. Because they would, it would be just to go to hope and wait. And inshallah they'll come back. That's it. And after some time somebody came back, mashallah. And after a long time nobody came back, then they would start worrying what's going on. And sometimes they'd find out that the person is never going to come back. So in any case, this was now a very bleak situation. How do they get out of this? So Rasulullah says that they now spoke to one another and they said that there is nothing that is going to save you today. Except that you present your righteous actions to Allah. And in the Rewaite of Bukhari Sharif, the wording there is لا ينجيكم إلا الصدق The only thing that's going to save you today is what was done out of utmost sincerity. Now, just to pause on this, that here they were in a situation, very bleak situation, more or less like staring at death in the eyes, because very soon now the food, water, whatever they have is going to run out, and they can't communicate the situation to anybody, they can't leave this place. So in a short while, everything is going to be starting to go, go the other way around. Like looking at death in the eye. But they still didn't lose hope. There wasn't a moment of now despondency that look, this is now 
a bleak situation, so just drop everything. Now just sit around and wait for that to come now. A mu'min, there isn't despondency in him. A mu'min is always filled with hope. And the reason that he's always filled with hope, regardless of how bleak a situation can be, is because he is not one who focuses on what is in front of him. He can see the rock in front of him. He can see that illness in front of him. He can see that financial problem in front of him. He can see that domestic issue in front of him. He can see all these things in front of him. But he is not focusing on these things. He will attend to it, but he is not focusing on this. His focus is on Rabbul Alameen. His focus is on the creator of the whole universe. And in whose control is everything in the universe. So when it is Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat to turn anything, that that rock which came from nowhere suddenly and found its place right at the mouth of this cave, that Allah who controlled that rock, that Allah has the power not just to cause a rock to fall back down, further down, Allah Ta'ala has the power to take it back up also. So the person whose heart is linked to Allah Ta'ala, there won't be despondency. Human nature will get concerned, will get a little worried, we might get a little, sometimes, slightly overcome with emotion sometimes. It shouldn't be the case. But we are human. Emotions might happen sometimes. But in the midst of all that, there is no despondency. The connection is with Allah Ta'ala. Then what is meant to happen will happen. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has decreed, what He has willed, which is in His infinite wisdom, which we will not be able to fathom. We will then submit to that. But we will do what is in our capacity. And the thing that is in our capacity is to turn to Allah Ta'ala first. Now these people were trapped in the cave, so they turned to Allah Ta'ala. We are also in various caves, sometimes in some cave of darkness, trapped in a cave of darkness of sin. The person can't see any way out. There is this huge rock of whatever it is in front of him. This rock of technology that is now blocking his whole way out of this vice and sin, this cave of darkness. He just can't seem to understand how it will ever be possible for me to spend half a day without the social media that has dropped me so deep down. How will I be able to spend one hour without this internet connection? And I'm being advised to be far away from it. How is it going to be possible? This is such a rock in front of me, I can't see any way out of it. Somebody can't see past that some other rock. Somebody is in a cave of darkness of some other sort. But the person who has his focus towards Allah wa ta'ala, that Allah ta'ala is, has complete control and qudrat and power of everything. So why should there be any despondency? Yes, there's a procedure. There's a process. Unfortunately, in our situation, we can do many things. But, together with doing those many things, and which we do sometimes, we start doing some things, if a financial problem, a person starts making some arrangements, doing some things. If it's some other issue, he starts doing some things in that regard. But we start turning to Allah Ta'ala last. Like one very senior personality, he was giving one explanation, 
And he said, our Iman is like third degree Iman. The third degree Iman, only is third degree Iman. So now for example, a person is going, he's traveling overseas, he's going to visit some family member or whatever. Somebody asks him, where are you going? He says, no, I'm going to a certain country. Why are you going there? I'm going to visit my uncle. So, you're going to stay away? He says, no, stay with my uncle. Achha, mashallah. And what happens if you get there and your uncle is not there? Just something, for some reason, you have to suddenly go away. You think you're going to stay with your uncle? So he taps his pocket, he says, there's money here, yeah? stay in the hotel. He says, but then Allah forbid something happens, that money gets stolen, something, everything goes haywire, you don't have any, any means there. He says, Allah to hai. So when the uncle disappeared from the scene, and the money all got lost, then only Allah hai. Whereas that's the starting point. Our starting point is Allah ta'ala. That it is only with Allah Ta'ala's will and His permission and with His doing that that uncle will also invite us in. Or that money will be of any avail. So this is the thing that we need to start focusing on, changing the procedure of things. That we start off with connecting with Allah Ta'ala. Is there any problem? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is badara ila sana. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Sayyidul Kainat. We are talking about Fakhre Alam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are talking about that personality who was the closest to Allah Ta'ala. The slightest thing would perturb him, he would hasten towards Salah. And that is something that doesn't even occur to us after all these things we are busy with trying to make this happen and that happen. But turning towards Salah is something that doesn't feature sometimes in our whole arrangements. Whereas Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam any matter should perturb him first thing is he would hasten towards salah so this is the procedure here these people also they didn't become despondent because the qudrat of Allah Ta'ala is above everything but there's something to bring that qudrat in our favor the qudrat of Allah Ta'ala is there but there's a system in dunya in dunya the system is we will have to do what is required of us to bring that Qudrat in our favor. So they realize that now what is going to bring this Qudrat in our favor? Said here in this place now, you're going to have to present that which you did with complete ikhlas, complete sincerity. Nothing else. Nothing else is going to help. That truthfulness, that sincerity, that is what's going to help. Again, just to pause on this point here, that they are now considering between them that look, we have to present something. Something that was done when? Long time ago. Don't know when last it was done or when it was really done. Many a times the opportunity comes to do some good. Some act of kindness, some righteous action. It might have been in the middle of the night, somebody's eyes opened. Normally he wouldn't have woken up at that time. Alhamdulillah, I'm feeling fresh for whatever reason. At least let me wake up and make two rakas namaz now. Oh, there was a moment to, just in that quiet moment, some charity to somebody who was in a desperation. Something or the other. And at that time, there is no thought given to it that anything much was done, or what will be the outcome of this. One is the outcome in the akhirat, something done with ikhlas, Allah Ta'ala will accept inshallah. That is definitely there. Allah Ta'ala will reward in the akhirat by His promise. 
But many a time, these opportunities come, which set in motion some good, which at that time won't be known to us. It's like a person opened a tap somewhere, but there's a long pipeline coming around the hole from some other end, from the reservoir. And it's going to be traveling kilometers before it reaches the end point, that home that it needs to supply. So now somebody opened the tap at the reservoir. But nobody saw anything happening. The tap was open, but you can't see the water flowing through that pipeline. It's all buried. But then after so long, because it's now trickling, whatever the case is, after days, when the water comes, you open the tap here, the water is there. But little do you realize that first the tap was opened at the reservoir. Now the water became available. Many a times that good action opened some tap of good. It's in the pipeline. But the time when a person is in that desperation, that good would now come to his aid. It'll open the tap for him there. The opposite also applies. Sometimes the person opens some tap of some gas line. Sometimes years later there's an explosion. But that line was actually already set in motion long time before. With some zulm. Somebody was hurt in some way. Somebody was uh, harmed in some way. Somebody's wealth was usurped. Somebody's honor was downtrodden. That opened the line. And then we didn't make amends. We didn't make toba. didn't ask the person for forgiveness. It set something in motion. So here too these people had done some amal previously which they would have done many things inshallah but something that they felt this was something really with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala done purely for him. So now they said present this to Allah Ta'ala. Present the righteousness that was done to Allah Ta'ala. And make dua in the light of this. That Ya Allah with the barakat of this give us safety from this. So in any case, now that they discussed, this is what we have to do. The first person commenced. The first person said, Ya Allah, he's making dua now. Ya Allah, I had my elderly parents and my family. And every day I would come back after having grazed the animals and whatever else had to be done. And finally I would return home. And I would have milked the animals. And I would first bring the milk to my parents to drink. And I would not have the heart to give anyone else until they have had their full first. And this was my standard practice. So one day, now he is expressing this. Allah Ta'ala is the know of everything. But this is his dua now. He is expressing it. Ya Allah, one day I got delayed because I went a bit further away, far out to graze the animals. Sometimes it happens, the pasture is not enough close by. And very far out. As a result, I got quite delayed. And by the time I came back, it was late at night. And by that time, my parents had fallen asleep. They didn't have their milk for the evening. That was their meal. So they had already fallen asleep. So I came and stood at their bedside, hoping that now, just now, they would wake up. And I would give them the milk to drink. See, on the one hand, I didn't have the heart to disturb their sleep. They are already sleeping. They want to disturb them. And on the other side, 
I didn't have the heart to give anybody else something to drink until I've given them. It often happens that a person says, well, perhaps just now, a person is sitting and talking somewhere and says, okay, just now I'm going. Then just now, then just now sometimes, a couple hours go away. Then now when he gets taken to task for that just now, he says, no, I was supposed to come just now. So then, that just now became few hours. So the similar thing, perhaps he was now thinking, well, they slept hungry, well, maybe just now they'll wake up. Just now, before a person knows that just now, just now, he says the next thing, it was morning. It was almost daybreak, subah. And my children were crying at my feet. But I waited. And until they awoke, I gave them to drink, and then I fed my family. Ya Allah, if I did this, if you are aware that I did this solely for your pleasure, Ya Allah, move this rock out of our way. Now he presented this amal. And when he presented this, that rock miraculously moved. But it moved just a little, not sufficient to be able to get out of it. Now this, some lessons here for us, that what was this that he presented? He presented the khidmat of his parents. He presented their khidmat and he was so overwhelmed in this khidmat and love of theirs that he forgot about others. Now that is not something that is condoned because that's one explanation that he was so overcome with that love of his parents, so overcome he was in a state that was not in his control at that time. He was overcome with that emotion. As a result, this lapse and this oversight of his, that too was pardoned. Because he wasn't taken to task for that. Nabi Islam explained it. But this is not a rule. This is not the standard that a person should fulfill somebody's right in such a way that he trample somebody else's right. That's not the rule. But an exception somewhere that's Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. But the other explanation is that the children were crying for us, they were a bit hungry, but not that they weren't given anything. They were not starving. There was no ha- fear that they might starve to death or anything. What they right was, was taken care of, but they wanted more. But in any case, this was what he presented, the khidmat of his parents. And this khidmat and this obedience to parents, this khidmat of parents is something emphasized in the Quran Sharif, in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa this is an extremely important part of a mu'min's life, anybody's life for that matter, a mu'min. One incident that is very, very striking in this, an alim who was teaching in Madina Munawara, originally from Pakistan, had migrated to Madina Munawara and was teaching hills in the Haram Sharif. He passed away about four, five years ago, maybe a little bit more, six, seven years ago. So, he mentioned this personally. I heard it from him directly. And it happened that he was here in South Africa at that time. So just in the conversation asked him, where are you going from here? He says, no, I'm going for Hajj. And then on that note, this whole incident started coming through. He says, once somebody asked him, that, how many Hajj did you perform? Because he goes every year for Hajj. Well, at that time he used to go every year for Hajj. So he says, Alhamdulillah, Allah's Fazal, 45 Hajj. Subhanallah, 45 times he went for Hajj. 
So that person jokingly said to him, that we've heard that when the souls, when the call for Hajj were made, and the souls that were in alam arwah whichever soul said Labbaik, go for Hajj. It seemed like your soul didn't stop saying Labbaik. 45 times you've been for Hajj already, it seemed like your soul was just non-stop, was stuck. So they're saying Labbaik one way. So he said, yes, that, that is there. But in my understanding, there's also another aspect that is the background to this. As part of the means, it all happens in Allah Ta'ala's as part of the means, there's something else in the background. What is it? So then he gave a lengthy explanation, I'm just going to summarize it very short, that he was still a young boy, and his mother became very ill. And she became bedridden. He says he remained at her bedside as much as he could, and did whatever khidmat at that age people would be wanting to do this, that and the other but he just remained at her bedside and as far as possible he would be there available for khidmat since they were a very poor family living in one rural area in Pakistan and at that time now if he made 45 how do you talking about 70 years ago story, 65, 70 years ago incident he says if that whole area if one person went for hajj it was a very big thing and that person who went for Hajj was looked at like he is somebody else, somebody from out of this world. He went for Hajj and came. Nowadays we don't know who went and when they came back also. So he says now, any case, while he is to be making his mother's khidmat, now in this rural area, poor family, and his mother was bedridden, sometimes she needed to be changing position, she needed to be helped for that also. So, so ill. So I would help her with all this. And every now and again she would give me dua, Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj. He says, I just used to take it with, as we say, a pinch of salt. Me and hajj in that context was like unimaginable. You see, time when she passed away. Allah Ta'ala made some means for me that suddenly something worked out. He says, I emigrated to Madinah Munawara and I got a position to teach in the Haram Sharif. Now that I was based in Madinah Munawara, he says, every year now I started making hajj. So one year, I went to Pakistan to visit my family and returned just in time for Hajj. It so happened, but in accident. And there was a fire in that accident. Says my foot got badly burnt. I was in hospital for several weeks. And just got discharged. And then I landed in Madinah Munawara again, one day before everybody was to leave for Hajj from Bakka Sharif. So now basically like the 7th of Zul Hijjah, or the 6th or 7th of Zul Hijjah, I landed in Madinah Munawara. And he had decided that year that this year I can't make it. It was after 40 years consecutively. He says, one of his students suddenly phones. He says that, uh, where are you? He says, I'm here. I just landed from Pakistan now. He says, aren't you going for Hajj? He says, going for Hajj. My leg is in this condition. I can't even walk. And we are going to go for Hajj. He says, no, no, no. I'm coming. I'm going to take you for Hajj. And I have all the arrangements made. I've got a wheelchair and whatever else I'm he says, but forget all that, we need that consent, that paper, that consent paper, which has to, that office is already closed. Yeah, I'm going to get the consent. He says, no, I had your passport details beforehand, I already got the consent for you. And he came, he fetched him in his car, he took him, made him make the entire hajj and brought him. He says, that year when I also decided I can't make it, that year also Allah took me. But where this came from? The khidmat of that mother. Her du'as. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is something very great. 
Nevertheless, this person presented the khidmat of his mother and Allah Ta'ala opened out this rock for them. But it was not only the khidmat, it was a khidmat with ikhlas. It was done for Allah Ta'ala alone. No expectations from anybody. Nothing in return. Allah Ta'ala must become pleased. That ikhlas is what moved that rock. So in any case, this person presented this. Then the second person, he began now presenting his amal. He started his dua. He says, Ya Allah, there was a cousin of mine who I fell very intensely in love with. And I was intense, very, very determined to seduce her, her and commit guna with her, sin with her. So on numerous occasions I tried to trap her into the sin, but she would totally be refused to get anywhere close to sin. Times moved on and she was reduced to poverty. There was a severe drought. She was in a very, very difficult situation. Poverty sickened, starving. So she came to ask for some help because I was in a position of means. So when she came to ask for help, so I accepted to help. But as they say at a price, this is unfortunately what carries on up to this day and age. That sometimes the ni'mas of Allah Ta'ala that have been bestowed upon us, those ni'mas are used to abuse others. That authority, that position, or that wealth, that power, that is an amanat from Allah Ta'ala's side. And that is sometimes used to dishonor somebody, that is used to abuse someone. We should be very, very afraid of such a situation. That this invites the wrath of Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, this person says that I agreed to help her and in her desperation and that too he says that first time round she refused. Again, out of that severe pangs of hunger she came a second time. Again, I presented the same thing. Again, she refused. The third time round, she finally said, okay. You see, I finally made the arrangements and I gave her 120 gold coins. Then he goes on further to explain and he says, when I was on the verge of committing the sin, she at that time, according to one narration, she trembled. I asked her, what's the problem? She said, inni akhafullah. I'm afraid of Allah Ta'ala. So that shook him. He said, in your desperate situation also, you are afraid of Allah Ta'ala. In my ease also, I'm not afraid of Allah Ta'ala. Am I not afraid Allah Ta'ala's wrath can overtake me? And according to one narration, she said at that time, it would have probably been all those things she mentioned, ittaqillah, fear Allah, what are you doing? That struck him. He says, Ya Allah, I even left behind all that money that was there, and I immediately left from there without committing any sin. Ya Allah, if I did this only for your pleasure as you are aware, then Ya Allah, move this rock. Now all these people, when they are presenting this, Ya Allah, if you are aware that I did this with sincerity. That if you are aware, Allah is aware. Allah is aware of everything. This is actually doubting one's own sincerity. Allah, if you are aware that yes, I really did it out of sincerity. Meaning, I cannot make the claim. I think it might have been sincere, but I can't make the claim. 
If in your knowledge this is the case, that I was sincere, then you accept sincerity. If I was sincere, then move this. The lesson again, we shouldn't make any claims about ourselves. Now, the person is in such a desperate situation, but he's still not making any claim that I'm this and I'm that. No claims about oneself. But rather just begging Allah Ta'ala's fazal, Allah Ta'ala's grace. So you say, in any case, Ya Allah, if I am, if I done this only for you, move this. The rock moved a little again. But again, still not sufficient to leave. Now here again to remind ourselves of that lesson. This person did something a long time ago. He refrained from sin out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. In a situation where, as they say, even the elephant can slip. But out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala, he walked away from that situation. Many a times there is some temptation. There is some temptation of lust. There is a temptation of wealth. Haram wealth. But not to be made in one moment. There is a temptation to be able to grab power in some haram way. A lot of temptations come in a person's way sometimes. And that time when he does not give in to that temptation. Out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. فَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَنْ نَفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَىٰ The one who fears standing in front of Allah Ta'ala and giving an account of their qiyamad. And out of that fear he refrains from submitting to those haram desires. Allah Ta'ala says for him is jannat. فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَىٰ This person restrained himself from that haram desire. That became the good that now moved the rock for him. At that time when a person walked away from that sin, he shunned that temptation, he pushed away that wealth which was haram, it seemed like he's losing out. He's not losing out. He has already set in motion something. It will come in time. It will come in the moment of his need. But now the question is that have we set things in motion? With ikhlas. Utmost sincere. Allah ta'ala alone. So in any case, this person also presented this and this rock moved. Then the third person. Ya Allah, I had employed some people to do some work. And one person left his wage behind and he went away. He got upset over something and he went away. According to some narrations, it is mentioned that actually what happened was, one person came in the middle of the day. He came in the middle of the day, he also wanted the job to earn something for the day. So, a whole group of people he had probably employed to work his farm, they had started off working in the beginning of the day. This person came, half the day had gone already, he probably just came at that time asking for a job. So he gave him the, okay, carry on. So this person, mashallah, worked for that half day, but very well, very diligently. So he was observing, so he worked half day, but... At the end of the day when he paid everybody their due, so what he gave everybody else, he gave this person also. That was his prerogative. This person worked half day, but he gave him what he gave others who worked the full day. One of the people who worked the full day got upset. I worked the full day, but you're giving me what you gave him. 
Still, but when I told you how much I will pay you, did I give you any less than that? So he didn't want to accept reason. Unfortunately, this is what happens. That because our eyes are on something else, our gaze is on something else, not on what is our rights, but on somebody else's rights. Is that person's prerogative? He wants to give somebody something extra, it's up to him. But this person got upset about why was I given something equal to somebody else who worked half the day. I should have been given double then. Whereas this is what you were told, you accepted that wage something before. So there wasn't any injustice to you. It was some favor to the other person. Now this is where the problem comes. One is a person is being dealt with unjustly. Often that is not the case. In many instances that is not the case. The case is why I wasn't given the favor that somebody else was given. Somebody else was given a favor that the prerogative of the person who gave it to him. That person, is that family member, all these things that create so many domestic issues, create so many problems. Why the parents gave somebody something and didn't give somebody else something? Because they saw the need for it at that time. They should be generally equal, but perhaps there was a certain need. Whatever the case might have been. So many other situations come about. In any case, this person, because of getting upset over that, he left his whatever he was due and went away. Like as we explained, for our understanding, one bag rice. So the farm perhaps, maybe like one 10 kilo rice we're talking about. So he left it behind and went away. Now they were perhaps one of two situations, that he had told him you will get one bag rice. But there wasn't yet anything handed over to him. And perhaps it was already given to him, and he left it behind. If it was already given to him, and he left it behind, then obviously that was his now. And if it was yet not handed to him, it was a debt on the employer. In any case, what he did was, he invested. He said, I invested this one bag of rice. Invested it, he probably put it back into the field, on some piece of land, and then it grew, and he sold it off, and then he started buying some animals with it, and over time this started growing. See, much later, this person came back. When he came back, he said to me, he introduced himself, because I forgot who he was also, and then he explained the situation, and he said, I've come to take my due. So, he said, I've been waiting for you for so long, because I don't know where you have gone. I had no idea where to find you. Since you've come, you can take your due now. What's my due? Where is it? This is a whole valley that's filled with all these animals, these camels and goats and cattle. It's all yours. He said, look, I didn't come here to be made a mockery of. Please don't mock me and joke with me. I've come to take my due. He knew what his due was. One bag rice. He said, I'm not joking with you. I'm not mocking you. All this belongs to you. Now, if that bag of rice was given to him already and he left it behind, then this is all his. But this person could have just deceived him. He could have just given him that one bag of rice again. But he didn't deceive him. And if it was not yet given to him, then none of this was his. That was still a debt on the employer, one bag of rice. Whenever he would come, he would give it to him. But he took it as, I invested that person's money. So now a whole valley full of goats and animals and whatever else. He says this person took everything away, he didn't leave one behind. 
In his dua is expressing this, Ya Allah, he took everything away, he didn't leave one behind also. Ya Allah, if I did this only for your pleasure, move this rock from us. That rock moved, now it moved for the third time, and now it had moved in total sufficiently for them to be able to leave. Now this person also, he did something which was really difficult on some person to do. To look after somebody else's investment for free. Not the investment that is somewhere just make his kitab and phone and find out what's the balance. No, this was a lot of hands-on work, looking after those animals and whatever else goes with it. But as a favor to another human being and somebody that worked for him, sometimes a person wants to take the maximum and give the minimum. And from the other side, the same thing applies sometimes. You have to do the minimum and take the maximum. So now this tug of war carries on. Whereas, it should be fulfilling the amanat from the side of the employee fully, doing what is required. And from the side of the employer, they should be not just something going only by the book, but some little extra. Something that will be on a level of some compassion. Putting ourselves in the shoes of the other person. Sometimes the person is just earning a meager wage, barely making ends meet, and the slightest some other need comes up, he is in a desperate situation, and it's well affordable to give the person a little more. That doesn't go in vain. That comes back with his good. And many people, Alhamdulillah, have seen, experienced how that good comes back. Now all these people set in motion some good a while ago. In their moment of need, that opened the tap for them. That moved the rock for them. It brought them out of their cave of darkness. So this is the lesson for us, that there are many opportunities that come our way. To do some good. And those opportunities are to be grabbed with both hands. We don't know when that will come. And besides that, our objective is for the akhirat. For Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. Must be done for Allah Ta'ala alone. But that will bring its good in dunya also. Let alone akhirat. Akhirat is there. It will bring its good in dunya as well. Another lesson in this, each one, mashallah, presented a tremendous deed, way beyond what the ordinary person would do. But yet, each one's individual deed wasn't sufficient to move the rock out. It was the collective deeds, the collective amal, that became the means of the rescue of everyone. Individually, each one wasn't good enough for himself also. To totally be freed from the problem of dunya. So likewise, it's not sufficient that one person in the house, mashallah, he is making tahajjud, so the rest of us can miss our fajr also. That's not going to help. It will help him personally in his situation. But the collective problem... The collective problem will go when everybody collectively does amal, righteousness. Collectively, everybody stays away from sin. Then that household will become a little example of jannat. When collectively the right things are being done. Otherwise, in a person's individual situation, he'll benefit. But he'll also be partly suffering the darkness of the cave. Because he's part of the cave. So the effort has to be made to bring deen alive in that home. Just individually making some effort is not good enough. 
that is good, but not enough. The effort has to be made on the whole family. The talim in the home has to be established. The amal has to be brought alive. And that encouragement towards deen, towards uplifting deen, that has to continuously take place. Then that collective amal will become a means of the collective peace. That house will become not a cave of darkness, but it will become a place of serenity and happiness. And like that in all our other aspects of life. So this is one incident that Rasulullah also mentioned and the lessons in there are innumerable. We have just touched on a few things but the main thing for us and the main lesson for us is this lesson of ikhlas that we have to bring our heart completely onto ikhlas. What we do only for Allah. And then these acts of righteousness to take full benefit and advantage of it we live our lives in the accordance with the commands of Allah wa ta'ala, in the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that even this dunya, as Allah ta'ala has promised in the Quran Sharif, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرِنَ وَأُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاتٌ طَيِّبًا Person with imal, iman, and amal saliha, Allah ta'ala says we'll give him a good life. We'll make life easy for him. The taqwa he adopted, Allah ta'ala will bring a problem out of every difficulty. وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ Allah Ta'ala will grant him risk from sources he cannot imagine. So this is the path for us. This is what we have to take to heart. This is what we have to do. And in this way we will get the good of dunya also. And the main thing is akhirat. Allah Ta'ala bless us and give us the correct understanding of deen and enable us to make amal on all these lessons that we have discussed. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك إذ الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله